It's the first Monday of the month, and Bonnie and I are fielding your questions. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 313. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. It is the start of fall here, here in the States at least, and uh, it's back to school time. Bonnie, it has been quiet around the house. Nothing going on in our lives, right? As usual. Oh, there, there's been nothing, nothing going on. I just finished giving our parents an update on kids back to school stuff. And that was sort of how I left the final paragraph was, holy cow, making lunches is way harder than people made it out to be. <laughs> <laughs> Who's supposed to bring what papers and backpacks and sweaters and uh, yeah, but it's fun. I, I certainly am not complaining. My goodness, what a fun invigorating time of the year and I'm full of imagination for what's possible both at work and our lives and so I'm not I I sound like I'm complaining I'm just overwhelmed but also excited it's one of those being overwhelmed in a good way feelings I was thinking that last night as we were coming back from our our son's back to school night for kindergarten just how what an exciting time it is in his life and um, do you remember uh, his principal said last night um, we didn't even talk about this remember that this like we're not preparing kids for life that this is their life oh, right now. I loved that. I'm so glad. I wish I would have put it. that in the email to your parents or parents. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to go back and edit it. Yes, get it back from the ether and uh, add that piece. And that was really good. You'll have to hit reply all and, and add that piece in. I, I will. And I was I was thinking about that in the context of uh, today's show too and, and leadership of how often we are working toward the next thing, especially a lot of us who think about leadership, we're thinking about a year from now, six years from now, ten years from now. When's the kid? When the kids grow up? When so and so becomes the moves to the next position? And it's so easy to lose the joy of the moment. So that's my reminder to myself today, this weekend, going in, uh, going into all the all the fun things that this time of life brings. So anyway, just just a good reminder for us. And and of course, if you're joining us for the first time, uh, welcome. Uh, mm-hmm. Bonnie uh, is with us once a month. We handle Q&A. If you have a question for us around leadership that you'd like us to tackle in an upcoming Q&A episode on the first Monday of every month, I hope you'll consider sending it out to us. Uh, go to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. That is the absolute best way to get us a question. And uh, Bonnie, I think you're going to read the first one here. Our first question is from Chris. I'm the oldest and a pioneer of staff at my office. And because of that, I'm being given roles that are calling for my leadership skills. I didn't grow up with any strong leadership orientation. I feel totally deficient and clueless what to do at most times. I'm super introverted and I keep letting my boss and the people looking up to me down. It's getting really embarrassing and I feel like running away. Are there courses, materials, or resources that can help me grow from scratch? Chris, I really appreciate you um, having the courage to ask this question and and also just want to encourage you on having started listening to the show and beginning your leadership development journey. I was As I was thinking about your question when it came in, I couldn't help but think about my own journey early in leadership development. I early on my first leadership role, I, I I had a passion for wanting to be a better leader. I felt like I was okay, and I discovered in my very first management role that I had 
struggled with a lot of the same things you're talking about. In fact, I, I very well remember, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, uh, one of my employees, uh, my first management role when I was in college, um, at the end of the uh, this program we were running, uh, I remember giving feedback and saying, I wish Dave would get a backbone <laughs> because I just had a really hard time at that time of giving feedback and just being honest and direct with what needed to be said. And it's feedback I still think about um, and still occasionally find myself uh, falling into that trap. And so, uh, Chris, I I just want to say that I think most of us have been there, Um, maybe not exactly where you are, but have have felt that that frustration, have felt that that feeling of not being successful uh, at all uh, some days. And and as I'm thinking about your question, one of the things I can't help but think about is just how a lot of us measure success. And so, uh, at least here in our North American culture, it seems to me, and certainly been my the way I've oriented myself on success, uh, unfortunately, a lot, is looking at how I compare myself to others, others in the organization, others in the industry, others at my age level or education level. And I've measured my success against those other people, those external points. Now, um, I, I think it's helpful as a data point to know where you are and where you're at uh, uh, in comparison to others. But I think that's what is more helpful is how you measure yourself compared to yourself. And I love the quote from Earl Nightingale. In fact, uh, we have this on some of our Academy pages that says, success is the realization, is the, I'm sorry, the progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. So I, I think what Nightingale was saying there is, is success isn't something we show up and arrive at. Success is if you're working towards something that is worth doing and you're making progress, that that's success. So one of the things I'd really challenge you on, Chris, to be thinking of as is you're measuring your leadership development at this stage of your career journey is I would really encourage you to measure yourself against yourself. So being conscious of where you are today and are you getting better? So if you look back a week from now, a month from now and look back and where you are today, are you better than you were yesterday or a month ago? And if you are, then you're being successful. You're moving forward. And I think the best thing that you can do at this stage of your journey is just to pick one or two things and start. So as far as resources, a couple of books that I'd recommend for anybody and especially early leaders, um, two of my longtime favorites are Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by the late Stephen Covey. A fabulous book, not only for leaders, but for anyone on personal development. It will get you thinking about the important aspects of leadership. One, (laughs) leading yourself first, but also, of course, the power of vision. So I highly, highly recommend that book. And then I'd also recommend Dale Carnegie's book, uh, which many of you heard me recommend before, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It 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 is a seminal book on the foundational concepts of leading and influencing others. I think you can start with either one of those books. And pick one principle and start there and focus on that principle for the next couple of weeks or the next month or the next 90 days, whatever the time frame is that feels right to you. And don't worry about everything else. If you're not great at delegation, don't worry about delegation yet. If you're not fabulous at feedback yet, don't worry about that yet. Uh, Yes, handle the situations as they come up and get better, but focus on the one area that you can really, uh, you can get traction on. And as you get traction on that and you get better, then as your confidence starts to increase, then you move forward. And that's the thing executive coaches do. 
even at the highest levels of leadership in the largest organizations, executive coaches come in and work with some of these just amazingly stellar performers and leaders in so many ways. And they focus on one thing, maybe two. Uh, You're much more likely to be successful on on zeroing in that. So I'd certainly encourage you to do that. Now, for those who are listening and looking for more resources, and Chris, maybe if you are too beyond those books, um, I've created a document a while back called 11 Crucial Books That Every Leader Should Know. Those the, the first two books uh, on that document are the two I just mentioned. I'm going to put a link in the show notes for that uh, for everyone. And so I'll also put it in this week's le- leadership guide. So that may be a starting point as well if you're looking for some specific help in other areas. So pick one thing. Uh, if you're looking for training programs, uh, American Management Association may be a place to look. Dale Carnegie is a wonderful place to look, uh, especially of building your confidence right now. The Dale Carnegie course, Dale Carnegie's classic time-tested course that's been offered for over a hundred years all over the world on effective communications and human relations is a fabulous course. Uh, I've, I've taught it myself. I've seen so many lives and careers changed by that course. I'd certainly recommend that. And then one final resource that is on the Coaching for Leaders site, if you go to coachingforleaders.com and just scroll down a little bit, you're going to see five big buttons that are starting points for getting into some of the key content on the site. Uh, you don't have to have your free membership set up to enter this part. Um, just go down, scroll down halfway down the page, and you're going to see one of those big buttons says, I'm ready to start leading. And I've curated four or five episodes that we've aired in the past that I think are really essential for early new leaders. If you click on that link, I'll again put a link in the show notes and this week's leadership guide as well for that. Um, I think it'll be a really good starting point for some uh, additional ideas. I was chuckling a little bit at Dave toward the end of his answer, and I kept trying, no, don't smile, stop smiling, he's going to think you're laughing at him. (laughs) But there was a piece when he started talking about doing executive coaching and working with these amazing executive leaders, which, of course, Dave and I have both had the pleasure of doing over our many decades of working in this area, but we've also had the not so much of a pleasure of working (laughs) with people that have moved up to the top or very close to the top of organizations and never did the hard work that you are attempting to embark on now. So I congratulate you, Chris, for that, because a lot of people just don't have the self-awareness to do it. Or if they do have the self-awareness, they want to adopt other less healthy behaviors than actually changing. And a lot of people just don't, they don't do the, the mental, the emotional, the social work that it is going to take to change. And one of the things you talked about was that your roles are calling for leadership. We've talked about many times in the show how many different definitions there are for leadership. Mine involves influence, and I believe that we're all influencing all of the time, even if it doesn't seem like we are. The very fact that we aren't doing anything influences a culture and influences others. So I happen to have this bias that says that you're leading whether or not you're being called to lead in a formal way. And you might do a little bit of reflecting, thinking about your own definition of leadership and what is it about what you're being called to do and this more formality, a formal way of having you be a leader in the company where that sort of changes your own thoughts about how you're influencing in the organization, that might be some helpful things to do. Dave did a wonderful interview, and I'm sure he'll be able to find the episode number and add that to the show notes with author Susan Kane. And Susan Kane is a worldwide expert on introversion. And I have found that book, and Dave, you might remember the title of the book, 
Quiet, the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking. Such a great title. (laughs) For some reason, it wasn't popping into my head. She's a wonderful author to read if you are introverted. And Dave has a preference for introversion, and he really got a lot out of it. As someone who, depending on the circumstances, can be more extroverted, I learned a lot about the biases against introverts that our organizations tend to have. And I think that would be helpful for you to be aware of because as an introvert, if you read it, she gives specific approaches of how you might not, for example, be looked over because you adopt some practices in a very intentional way that are more extroverted against what your default settings would be. I wish you the absolute best, Chris. And and, and just to echo Dave's comments, I'm so glad that you wrote in to us. The next question here comes from Warren. Warren says, I was hired to manage three people who've come to us from a firm that our company acquired. Two of them had personal problems in the past and now can't stand each other. Performance-wise, they do the work inefficiently and are always complaining about everything. I like the job, I'm learning and I feel challenged, but I'm afraid that the toxic environment that I'm in is currently affecting me. I've identified the issue and I feel that these two employees do more harm than good. However, I'm struggling on getting my head around the timing of when it would be best to let these two go. I have to gain knowledge on the process, but I did not feel confident enough to train someone on what they do. Here's a few solutions I'm considering, and he lists three. He says, uh, number one, hire at least one employee to cross-train the knowledge before letting both of them go. Number two, focus on automating and streamlining the processes to the point where I can let both of them go. And, and or number three, running and exercising to relieve the stress associated with the draining environment. And he asked, beyond these three options, what else can I do? It sounds to me, Warren, like you have thought about this a lot and have some very practical ways. I'm so glad that you've identified the possibilities and the probability of this toxic environment affecting you. Dave and I have said this many times on the show. I can't resist again, though, just to say how much the systems that we are in end up affecting us. And our self-awareness of that possibility and more so probability is really vital. Running and exercising is wonderful. There is also a whole body of research around something called social intelligence, which has the theory that has been research that our emotions are contagious. So if you are spending a lot of time with very toxic people, it is highly likely that it is affecting you. And some of that could be embraced by you if you weren't self-aware enough to, to recognize that it's happening. And then also to do some things to thwart that from happening. So in addition to the running and exercising, we can leverage that same idea that being around more positive, more passionate, more engaged people can help uh, impact us in the exact opposite way that these toxic individuals might be. So making sure you're purposefully carving out time to spend time with people who are excited about what your company is doing and passionate about their work and full of creative ideas. And, and that might help combat some of that, whether that's coffees, lunches, or even just walking around the building for 10, 15 minutes. I have a good friend at my work who I do that with pretty regularly. And we, we walk all the time, whether we're feeling like we've been around too many toxic people or just whether we feel like we need to walk. I mean, anytime it happens, it really, I find it has a very positive effect on my day. And that can literally just be 15 minutes. Sometimes it's as long as a half hour, but it can be as little as as 15 minutes and what a difference it makes. As far as what else to do, I do think it's good to prepare. 
I also think we can never be completely prepared. And finally, I think when we start to prepare, people often sense that that something's happening. And so you can kind of cause something to happen that you weren't really ready to happen yet anyway. So I would, I would say that one time in my career, I just had a really super can- candid conversation about this is just completely not working out. We've been having many conversations. It's just, And this was someone who I had been peers with before I had reported to me, but then we, we went on to different companies. I and mean, this is someone I knew over decades and I considered a friend. And how awkward is that to say like, this, this is not working. <laughs> You're just not a good fit for this role. And I just want to give you a heads up that one of two things is going to happen. Either I'm going to be stunned that all of a sudden you are able to be a good fit for this role, or we got to get you doing something else. But I gave him a huge heads up and it was just, it was, it was the only way I knew how to handle it because I felt like it was so unfair to him. We had been friends. I considered him still a friend then. I mean, it's different when somebody reports to you, but I didn't want to be unkind to him. And I felt like the kindest thing to do would be to give him a serious heads up that this is not working and, and to express the severity of the extent to which it's not working. And in that case, he did, he was able to find something else to do and to make a move. And as strange as this may sound years and years and years later, we ended up working together in a different company, in a different capacity. It's amazing kind of how these kinds of candid conversations can happen. But it sounds like you don't have enough trust with these people, though, necessarily to know if that's going to be the right way to go. And and if you don't have that trust, then sometimes we have to start thinking about the possible legal implications of having those kinds of candid conversations. So I probably would steer that, I would steer you away from that. Other than saying, I do think open, transparent communication is a very, very healthy thing to do. And even if it does come down to termination, can reduce your risk of liability. It's when we try to start covering everything up and we're not actually saying what's going on and really communicating clearly that people become even more angry and more bitter and more apt to take action. And that is not just my opinion. That is something that is borne out in lots and lots of literature out there. So uh, I I don't know if I'd be as candid as what I described with the individual I spoke of, but certainly emphasizing clear communication and candor and, and consequences of what's going on. Warren, I have two additions to what Bonnie said. I agree with everything. First one, so I think I had four hours of sleep last night <laughs> and uh, for a whole bunch of reasons, staying up too late and then our daughter having an issue sleeping last night. And so uh, and those of you who are parents of young children, you know how that goes sometimes. And uh, the reason I'm thinking about that is the running and exercising and stress relief. Bonnie touched on this a bit. It absolutely makes a huge difference. And we think about a lot of the leadership theories. We think about how we're handling stressful situations and what are the right things to say in the moment. And a lot of times for a lot of us, we forget one of the core things that I'm struggling with today, just from fatigue, is sleep and exercise. So while this isn't a health show per se, it is a show on leadership. And if we're going to be effective leaders, we've got to take care of ourselves first from our health. So I'm I'm a huge proponent of that. It absolutely makes a difference in my life. I know it does for Bonnie too, when we're um, outside, uh, exercising, getting good sleep consistently, or at least as consistent as possible. So I, I just want to encourage you on that, regardless of what you do. I think that's a great answer for all of us. I was just listening to a podcast this morning from uh, someone who's a specialty in um, psychology and neuroscience about the power of exercise and how that gets our brain um, 
uh, you know, doing all the right things and helps us to manage things cognitively really effectively. The second thing, and Bonnie hit on this too, is the thing that's missing in your question for me, Warren, is the heart. So you've got all the tactical things down. You know, here's how I might handle this situation. Here's what I can do for myself. Here's all the the pieces there. And and you may be thinking this, but I think you really, as a leader, you have a responsibility to the heart of of, of the people in the organization as well, too. And and what I'm not hearing from you is um, the, your concern. And have you had the conversation with them? Have you given them the direct feedback? And whether it's as direct as Bonnie just mentioned, or if there's another way to do that, um, it is, I think we owe it, all of us owe it in leadership, if something's not working, to say something. I'm thinking back to the conversation about uh, radical candor with Kim Scott earlier this summer. Um, I'll put a link in the notes, of course. Uh, But that importance of really having direct accountability and telling people where they stand. Because most Unless someone has a psychological issue, they're not showing up in the workplace expecting and trying to do a bad job. They are perhaps captured by the culture, in this case, captured by some past situations that didn't work well effectively in personal relationships. Uh, And yet, most people don't want to be there. They don't intend to be there. And I think you owe it to them to give them feedback. Yes, you may still do. You still may go through the termination process. Yes, you may still do all those things tactically, but from a heart standpoint as a leader, uh, we owe it to be candid with people. And if you're looking for the framework for that, I don't think there's a better framework than the one Jonathan Raymond talked about on the show uh, just a few weeks ago um, on the accountability dial. If you haven't listened to that episode, I would strongly, strongly encourage you to listen to that and, and start that process of having those conversations if you haven't had them already. Because if you... Um, have that conversation. Again, you may still do the same things tactically, but I think you're going to feel better about the heart of the issue. I think it's going to help you with the stress around it too. Um, and you give them an opportunity to make changes. They may not. Uh, and if they don't, then it's on them. But you owe it to them to give them that feedback uh, because that's how they're going to learn and to grow. That's going to be what's going to be helpful to them, to you, and ultimately the organization. So Warren, I hope this helps. Please let us know what you decide to do. We'd love to hear. And and for everyone listening, uh, if you haven't already, one of the things I'd really encourage you to do is to set up a free membership on the coachingforleaders.com website. I've already mentioned several resources that are available on the website today. There is a ton more that is within the member portal. It is absolutely free. You just set up your account on coachingforleaders.com. All of the podcasts are there. You can search them all by topics. I mentioned new leaders earlier that we do have that page on the site, but there's also a button within the podcast library for new leaders. And we have tons of shows catalog that'll be helpful for those of you who are looking for a topic like that or any other topic. Uh, The other thing that we've done, and Bonnie and I are both intentional about doing this, when we find anything of value online that we think is helpful to share with others, we both catalog it. And I've put within the membership portal a link to my library. Uh, One of the things that I would often be looking for when I was managing a team is whenever we go into a weekly staff meeting, I'd be looking for a good article or a good quote or a good video to show, something that would um, it would match up with the topic of the day or the message I was trying to send that wasn't just me talking, but was some other resource. Um, and one of the things I've been doing is with the weekly leadership guides I've been writing over the last several years that many of you read and have shared, thank you so much for those of you who have done that, 
um, is I've cataloged every single one of those links. It's in the library. And so if you're looking for a topic on leadership or giving feedback or delegation or almost any other topic, including a lot of things outside of leadership, uh, that library is a great resource for you. There's thousands of things in there that'll be a starting point for tracking down uh, information that'll really be helpful to you and help you to be even more credible in your work. So uh, that's just one of the many resources that are available in the free membership, uh, as well as the free audio course, 10 Ways to Empower the People You Lead. So if that is of interest to you, go over to coachingforleaders.com, set up your free membership, and get started on diving into a lot of those resources that'll help you in growing your leadership development. The next question comes from Malcolm. The late Abraham Zalesnik once stated, quote, Leadership is a psychodrama in which a brilliant, lonely person must gain control of himself or herself as a precondition for controlling others, close quote. Such an expectation of leadership contrasts sharply with the mundane, practical, yet important conception that leadership is really managing work that other people do. The military shares the culture of breaking you down to make you stronger. During our stewardship, should we maintain, express our sense of self? If so, how? If we limit our expression, are we losing authenticity and failing to stimulate the development of emotional intelligence in others? I'd love to talk to a few of our psychologist friends, Bonnie, and see what they think about this. Um, I, I'm, first of all, the quote, Malcolm, uh, is a really fascinating quote. I haven't heard this quote before, and I, I both love it, and, and there's parts of it I don't like. I, I love the part about uh, this psychodrama, which a, a brilliant, lonely person must gain control of himself or herself. And one of the things we've talked about in the show, we talk about in the Academy a lot, is the fact that leadership is often something that is and feels very lonely. And it, when you hear leaders, and especially high-level executive leaders, talk about leadership, that is a feeling that comes up a lot as loneliness. And so I think that captures the essence of that for me. Where I differ a little bit with this quote is um, as a precondition for controlling others. I don't think about leadership as control of others, and I, I don't even think about management that way anymore. Uh, leadership is really, if anything, creating the environment to allow people to opt in to a vision. And management's controlling processes, but I don't think we're controlling people. Um, I, and so I know this quote's maybe from a while ago, but uh, I would differ with Lesnick on, on that piece. Now, to the essence of your question, though, how much of it is us and how much of it is maybe we need to adapt to the environment around us or, uh, or like you're coming at this from a military framework of, you know, breaking down and making you strong and building you back up and making you stronger. So I'm not, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know all the psychology around that, but I love the quote of in matters of style, swim with the current and matters of principle stand like a rock. So we're going to be having next week on the show, a conversation about leadership branding and how each of us are thinking about our own leadership brands. And one of the things that is going to come out in that conversation is, is central is what do we believe in? So each one of us, if we're going to lead well, we need to know what our core beliefs are. What are the things that are really important to us, foundational to us, and, and how do we express that in our daily work, in our influence with others, and in the way we lead others? And uh, as I've been thinking about that and, and preparing for that conversation, one of the things that I think about a lot is the word inclusion. I, I like to do work and to bring people into our academy and uh, in our personal lives and friendships of thinking about those things in a very inclusive way. 
Um, that comes from early childhood for me. I was, uh, I think about, um, Bonnie, did you, did you ever do this when you were a kid where you'd, they'd get people on sports teams and there would be like the two kids who were most athletic in the class would get to be like the team captains and they'd pick all of the other kids. And then I was last. I I was always last too. And, and that was like the story of like early childhood for me, always getting picked last for everything, not being the athletic person. And that, I know there's something in my mind that's cemented there as a child of like, uh, if ever I have the chance to like be influential in some way in life, I'm going to take as many people along with me as I can to be inclusive because, um, that I know what it feels like not to be included. And so that's a core belief for me. That's something that's central to a lot of the ways I think about work, about friendships, about our academy community. And so that is a belief that for me doesn't change. What changes is how it shows up contextually. So there's different ways that for me, that the work around inclusion shows up in the work I do with the academy. There's ways that that shows up differently in my prof- in, in other things I do professionally and projects with clients of trying to get people involved into opportunities and conversations they may not all often have the chance to be involved with. Um, it changes, Bonnie, when we show up at church and we're helping facilitate this group where we try to get a lot of different people involved in conversations after church on Sunday afternoons. So from a style standpoint, there's a way that there's a change in a flow and an ebb in every context that I show up in, but the core belief stays the same. So I'm, I hope this is addressing your question, but one of the things that I think is so central is we need to know what we believe in first, and that stays the same regardless of where we are and what context we're in in any situation. Many, many, many moons ago, I used to work in a department where let's just say the communication was less than healthy. And people were less than transparent about things that were going on in their lives. It, it's hard for me to fathom this, but there were multiple, shall we say, changes in status. There were divorces that occurred that were never shared with the other people. There were marriages that occurred that were never shared with other people. And it was certainly indicative of the lack of ability to communicate even on things so much less significant than relationships like marriage. And I do think it is healthy to be able to share parts of yourself with the people that you work with. I think that's a healthy thing where I think it gets out of bounds is leaders who then expect or find themselves where they're more relying on people that they lead to turn into playing the role of therapist. So that's where I'm a big fan of therapy. I know Dave is as well. We both have utilized therapists over different seasons of our lives. And if what we need is therapy, we need to go get a therapist. But if we're not able to share things that we celebrate in our life, like getting married or to mourn things that happen in our lives, like divorce, that's a problem because those are things that you bring with you to work. We bring with us to work. And other people, it will be helpful for them to be aware of that, either if it's the reason that Dave cited just in terms of, wow, that really resonates with me too. I was also picked last on the sports team, (laughs) you know, helps other people be able to engage in a more meaningful way, but it also helps people know what's going on in your life. I recently finished reading this book called Hunger, a memoir of my body. It's by Roxanne Gay. And I don't want to spoil it, but this does come up very early in the book that she is documenting. Well, it's I guess it just came out in the title, but she's documenting why it is that she weighs hundreds of pounds. 
and then the results of weighing hundreds of pounds and trying to engage in the world. And again, this is a little bit of a spoiler alert, but it does come up very early in the book, perhaps even on the back cover synopsis. She was sexually assaulted at the age of 12. And the saddest part about this story is how did her parents find out that her, that's the reason why their daughter gained hundreds and hundreds of pounds and continues to use that as a way of keeping dangerous people away from her is they read her book. They didn't get to hear about that when she was 12 and get to take her to therapy and get to attempt to be some part of the healing process with her. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not suggesting that we go necessarily to work and start sharing those kinds of personal events. The reason I bring it up as an example is just the woundedness that we carry with us outside of work also comes with us inside of work. And I think it's more helpful and we're able to work together. One of the things that is really staggering to think about, but when people get promoted up in organizations and they move into these very high level roles and they have very fancy business cards, it's just you can almost guarantee that the rest of us who aren't as high up in the organization will start to have such unrealistic expectations of them. We will expect them to be superhuman, to never make mistakes, to never fail, and that is not necessarily helpful for becoming and, and having a learning culture. Learning by its very nature involves failure. Failure by its very nature, if you don't want it to be repeated, needs to be explored, needs to be celebrated in the sense of that gave us a lot of information now that we now have for what's not going to work, but we need to explore it and dig into it and find out why it didn't work. Another resource in a totally different context would be Brene Brown who has spoke so articulately about vulnerability and she has a wonderful Ted talk. There's a four minute one, Dave, that would be great to link to. And then a 15 minute regular Ted talk that would be great to link to. And I think it would be great for you to have a listen to her talk about the importance of vulnerability and what a gift it can be when we can bring that to our leadership and to our lives and, and to our people that we work with. Thank you, Bonnie. As always, I've captured the links to everything we've mentioned in the show notes and it will be in this week's weekly leadership guide. One of the words that came up in our responses to the questions was the word loneliness. Leadership has a way of feeling really lonely and in practical terms is a really lonely pursuit for a lot of us. Even though as leaders, we're surrounded by people all day long, the decisions, the path forward, vision, how to handle the toughest situations ultimately can feel very lonely and very isolating to many leaders. It is a feeling I experienced throughout my career for many, many years until recently. And it's one of the reasons that the Coaching for Leaders Academy was born almost two years ago. The Academy is built on access to great relationships with other leaders that provide collaborative coaching, not a focus on curriculum. And the Academy is a year-long leadership development cohort that is facilitated personally by me. And you've been hearing me talk about the Academy over the last few weeks. We are opening up applications to the entire listening community in just about a week on 
Monday, September 11th, 2017. So we're just about a week away. However, if you are considering applying or if you're just considering on learning more about the Academy, I would encourage you to get onto the early alert list to learn about some early application opportunities. Also, there is a free virtual event coming up with me this week live for those who are on the early alert list. If you would like to learn more about that, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash academy and you'll learn more about that. And of course, more coming next week once our applications open up to everyone. Uh, but in the meantime, if you want to get on that early alert list, you know, if you're if you're interested, you're going to want to be on the list. It's going to be uh it's going to be a good opportunity. coachingforleaders.com/academy is where to go. Now, a few related episodes to today's conversation. Bonnie and I mentioned some of the past leaders we've had on the show and experts talking about uh, some of the aspects that came up in today's questions, I'd certainly encourage you to go back and listen to episode number 44 with Susan Kane. We talked about her book earlier today. She talked about in that episode the power that introverts have to lead effectively and in fact to lead uniquely in ways that um, sometimes extroverts aren't able to do as well. Of course, both introverts and extroverts can lead incredibly effectively, and the research is showing that in so many ways, and yet they do lead differently. And we talked about that in that conversation in addition to a whole bunch of other things that'll be helpful, especially if you tend to be more introverted as I am. Episode 44 is a great listen for you. Also, check out episode 241. We touched briefly on military leadership in this episode. David Marquet, a former captain in the USS Santa Fe, was on that episode talking about his bestseller, blockbuster bestseller, Turn the Ship Around. He tells his story of how he helped turn the worst performing ship in the U.S. Navy into the best performing ship under his command. He talks about the leadership principles that him and his officers and his crew implemented in order to make that happen. And a lot of it is about language. That's right, language, the words that they started using on the ship. If you haven't listened to episode 241, it's one of my favorite episodes we've ever aired. Go check it out, 241, Turning Followers into Leaders. And then finally, episode 306, Five Steps to Hold People Accountable. I mentioned Jonathan Raymond's framework, the accountability dial. If you, like Warren, are looking for ways that you can really hold people accountable, if you're addressing tough situations, if you need to give feedback, the five-step process that Jonathan Raymond talked about in that episode is essential for you. Again, that's episode 306, and you can access any of those past episodes just by going to coachingforleaders.com slash the episode number. It'll get you right there. Next week, I am thrilled to welcome Emily Sikorsi and Justin Foster to the show. They are from Root and River. They're going to be teaching us how to establish our leadership brands. If you haven't thought about your leadership brand and how to establish it, this conversation is going to get you thinking about that in a very strategic way. I encourage you to check it out next week. I can't wait to share that conversation with you. Thank you so much to the person named Christmas Pageant here in the States for the kind review you left on iTunes. Hey, it's always Christmas any time of year, right? Thank you so much. That was very kind. Hey, if you'd like to leave a rating or review for the show, visit coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes. That's also the place to subscribe if you're an iTunes user to get future episodes if you've just picked up this episode today. And I look forward to being with you next Monday. Have a great week. Take care.